wife was pregnant, and um, he went to this dad small group. Like, in fact, I think it was called like dad joke recovery small group or something. And uh, he, he said, I'm just so scared I'm going to end up like my dad telling dad jokes once my baby gets here. And uh, in the middle of the meeting, he gets a phone call, and, um, and they tell him that his daughter's gone into, uh, or that his wife's water is broken and his daughter's on the way. And he gets on the phone, he's like, guys, I'm about to be a dad. I guess my daughter didn't have any more womb. <laughs> Sorry. Okay, literally, that's the last one. Luke chapter 15. <laughs> I'm drowning. Let's go. Chapter 15. And we're going to go to verse 11. And this is one of my favorite examples of a dad uh, from a biblical sense. And the Bible says in verse 11, uh, Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got, uh, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe, severe famine in that whole country, and he began uh, to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed the pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. That's a rough way to be in life, amen? Because um, pigs are nasty. Have you, anybody ever been around pigs being raised? That's some nasty stuff up in there. But anyways, when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. Today I want to share with you, and we all know that this story is, most of us know that this is the story of the prodigal son. And in this story we see, most of the time we focus on the prodigal son and how he messed up and how he ran away and how he squandered all of his goods and, and then he came back. That's normally the the focus of the story, but as I was praying and seeking the Lord about where he wanted me to go with our Father's Day message, he said, Jay, I really want you to focus on the Father. Because we serve a good, good Father that's in heaven. But sometimes the realities that we have with our fathers or our experiences with our fathers may not match up to what the Word of God says a father should be. And so whenever I, I remember when I first had Bellany, yeah, it was awesome. It was one of the greatest joys in my life to look at that little girl, and her, her, she wrapped her little uh, hand around my finger, and at that moment, I was wrapped around hers. And uh, But what's funny is, whenever she was born and I first looked at her, the first thought wasn't, oh, I'm a dad. It was, oh, mess, I'm a dad. What in the world am I supposed to do? And, and I loved her from the moment I saw her, but I was scared to death because I had no idea what in the world I was supposed to do with this little baby. I knew I was supposed to love her. I knew I was supposed to change her. And the first time I did change her was still in the hospital. And the first thing that came to my mind then was, why is it this color? I thought something was wrong. 
Some of y'all don't know yet, but you're you going to learn. Just wait. <laughs> and I was thinking, what am I supposed to do with this baby? What if, how do I bathe her? How do I wash her? How do I, how do, I do it and not break her? You know, because if you've ever not been around a newborn, you're always afraid that you're going to handle them and, and you're going to literally break them in half. And, and, and I wanted to be a good dad, but I didn't really understand how. And I was worried and I was, I was freaking out a little bit. And, and what I found, as many of you have already, is that on my own I'm ill-prepared to give my children all the things that they need. I'm ill-prepared to give them all that they need. And, and as I began to read this story and God brought it to me, there are some things that God wanted to communicate to us. But the first thing I want us to understand as fathers, because I'm speaking to my fathers today, is that even though I did not know what in the world I was doing, I was determined to not fail. I was determined that no matter what, I was going to do a good job. I may mess up, and I may screw some things up, and I may not do everything right, but I was determined I am not going to give up, I'm not going to give in, and I'm going to do my best to be the best father that I can be. And can I say today that we need fathers to make that same decision? Can I say today that, dads, we need you to do a good job. We need you to get, in, get involved in your kids' lives. Maybe you already are, but I'm telling you, your kids need you. Your kids need your direction. They don't just need the stuff that you can give them. They need your biblical direction. They need your spiritual direction. They need your relationship direction, even if they all the time don't want it. They need you. And so I was determined to not fail. And so I started asking myself and searching, okay, so I want to be a good father. What does a good father look like? I had a pretty good dad. And, and all those things, but I, I wondered, because I didn't live, grow up in a Christian household, what does a Christian dad look like? What makes a good father? And I, I think the best thing that we can do is look at Scripture and look at, at who God was. And, and we look at the story of the prodigal, and there's some things that I love about this story. First of all, he never gave up hope. There may be people in here today, and you've got kids or you've got grandkids, and you're concerned about them because they've left the way. They're not following the Lord, and they're doing crazy things in their lives. I have to encourage you today because what I love about that story is that the father never gave up hope. Today, whether you're a mom or you're a dad or you're a mom that has to be the dad because the dad isn't there, I encourage you, don't give up hope on your kids because the more you pray for them, surround them with the angels of heaven and declare goodness over their lives. They may not be who you think they should be and they may not be where you think they should be, but I encourage you today, do not give up hope on your kids because some of them, you're the, your prayers are the only things that's standing between them and eternity. Your kids need you to pray for them. He never gave up hope, and as soon as he saw his son returning, he ran to him. And when he ran to him, he celebrated his return. He didn't shame him for his mistakes. That's hard. Because a lot of times whenever our kids mess up, we would rather point out all of their flaws than to celebrate their return. God is calling us to be good fathers because he's a good father. And I think we have to look at our lives and the way that we parent and measure it against the way that God parents us. And so he also does this. He looks at his son and he restores everything that he had lost. God is calling us to be good fathers. And the only way that we can do that is to look at how God 
parents us. And so what does God do for his children? First of all, in John 3, 16, we know that he loves his children. In Proverbs 18, 24, we see that God is always available. If you look in Matthew 10, whenever Jesus talks about how God is going to provide for the sparrows of the sky, surely he's going to provide for his children. So dads, it's our job and our calling to make sure our kids are provided for. And that's just that's not just money and food. That's also spiritually. That's also making sure that if they that they are learning how to pray from you that they are lear- learning how to study their Bible from you, that they are learning how to seek the Lord from you. It calls us to, God provides for his children, so we're called to provide for our children. And in Hebrews 12, 6, it says that he even corrects his children whenever they make mistakes. That's hard. You know, one of the most, one of my least favorite jobs as a dad is getting on to my kids. Like the other day, um, Bellany was throwing a I mean, it's one of those, why did I have kids fits? We were riding down the road, and, and they've gotten to that age, my kids have, to where they're fighting over their toys in the backseat. And there is nothing more irritating to me in here, give me my toy, daddy, he's got my toy, ah! You know, because it, it gets to a point where all they do is, ah! And finally, I turned around, and I said, Bellany Lynn Smith, if I have to do this one more time, I'm going to pull this truck over, and I'm going to spank you, and I'm going to spank you again because you made me pull over. I gave one of those things. Oh, like anybody else ever done that before? There's another one I almost said, almost, there's another video I almost showed you. It was things that, threats that dad make that they never actually go through with. And one of them is said, if I have to pull this car over, and they're going into Disney World, he's like, if I have to pull this car over, we're going to turn around. He's running into Disney World knowing he ain't going to turn that car around. He's going on to Disney World. He didn't pay that $3,000 or. <laughs> but, but one of the least favorite things that I have to do as a father is correct my kids because I love them. But I think one of the biggest problems in our generation is that we are not corrected enough. And most of the time we're not corrected because our fathers aren't present. So, Dad, I have a question for you today. Even if you are still in in one home with your family and with your kids, are you present? Are you there? Because the truth is, is that God, it is our calling as fathers to lead our house. And so we have to be very present in every hour of the day. And even if we're in the home with our kids, are we leading them? Are we present? Because I remember reading a book by Craig Groeschel a couple years ago, and, and he said in it, there's a difference between existing with your family and leading your family. How often dads, and this is challenging for me too, but how often do you come home from a long day's work and, hey, you deserve some time off, but how long do you come home from a long day's work or you've been stressing out all day and you come home and instead of investing in your kids, you just zone out? I'm not saying we don't deserve time off. What I'm saying is that we have to invest in things that are eternal, and sometimes a nap on the recliner is not going to make an eternal difference unless it's a negative one. God is calling fathers to invest and to lead our families. And so we see in, this, in, this, in, the, in the character of God that he corrects his children. It's not my favorite thing to do, but it's, it's, it's required and it's, it's, it's necessary. And God has called men to be mirror images of himself, at, of himself as we lead our homes. And so, guys, men, I want you to know today, you have a calling. God has called you to lead your house to lead your children, to lead your wife. He's called us to love our wives as Christ loved the church. Christ died for the church. He's called us to lead our children and to love our children. 
And I got to say this, guys. How can we say we love our family if we don't invest time in our family? Just like whenever we talk about investing in the church and investing money in the church and investing in our tithe and offering, um, the truth is, is that we spend time where we are invested. And there's no way that we can make a difference in something that we're not spending time with or in. Our children need us. And so we are called to love our children. We're called to lead our house. Many, many houses are in shambles simply because men refuse to leave. This is true. Many houses are in shambles today because men refuse to leave. You see, there's going to be a, a guiding force in our homes, guys. There's going to be something that guides the, the direction of our homes. It's either going to be us or it's going to be the enemy. But it's going to be something because something is going to guide us. And something is either going to pull you and your family together or something is going to allow you to fall apart. And my question for our men today, for my fathers, is who's guiding your house? Because believe it or not, one day we are going, as a father and as a husband, one day I'm going to stand before the Lord and he's going to ask me, why didn't you lead your house in the way that I've called you to lead your house? And so my question for you today on this Father's Day, and it's challenging and it's not lighthearted, but it's important because I've been a youth pastor for six years and I've seen the damage that absent fathers and that... Re- children that have been rejected by their parents, I've seen how hard it is on them. And so my question for you today is, are you existing in your home or are you leading your family? Because there is a difference. A couple weeks ago, because I've been getting so busy just trying to keep up with everything, I, I remember I was at home all day. But I got to the end of my day and I was praying about this message. And, 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 and God said to me, you've been home all day, but how much time have you actually invested in your kids? And that's me being transparent. But how many times are we like that? That we're around our family all the time, but we're not actually investing in them at all. We're just existing in the same space. Somebody's going to lead your family. Something is going to lead your family. Is it going to be TV? Is it going to be the Disney Channel? Is it going to be Lifetime? Or is it going to be the Word of God presented through you? What's going to lead your family? And so... There's an old saying that says, if you win a man to the Lord, then you win the house. And, and you wonder, wh- how is that even possible? Well, you know, there's a story in Acts 16 where there was a jail where Paul and Silas was in jail. And we know the story because he, well, most of us know the story. They sang and they praised and the jailhouse broke open. And, the, and one of the most important parts of the story for today for us is that there was a jailer there. Whenever he came in and saw that all the prisoners had escaped except Paul and Silas, he freaked out. He said, oh, no, they're going to kill me because I was, this was my post. And, and my, the people who were over me are going to come in and kill me because I've lost all the prisoners. And then in that moment, Paul said, no, we're still here. It's okay. And they led him to the, to the Lord. That He brought them into their home. He led him to the Lord. And then the Bible says he and his whole family followed the Lord. You see, there's an anointing on the Father to lead the house. And whenever the man walks in the anointing of God, then the anointing flows through the man into his children and into his wife. And so my question today is, are you carrying God's anointing into your home or are you just existing in that space? Because real quickly, we want to complain about the world, and we want to complain about what our kids are doing, and we want to complain about what they're not doing. But maybe, fathers, we need to look at what we are or what we aren't 
doing. You may say, well, I don't have kids. I'm a granddad. You still are the head of your house. What are you investing into your grandchildren? How much time are you spending praying and spending time? Because I'm going to tell you, I gotta, I'm going to finish my bows and arrows series in a couple of weeks. Young people need our elder saints. We need our fathers and we need our grandfathers and our grandparents to sow into us. You've been there and you've done that. And there's no way that we can expect this younger generation to just accidentally find their way. We need you. We need you. A father can't give good direction unless he's plugged into the good father. A father can't give good direction unless he's plugged into the good father. God is calling you to give direction to your family, but the only way for you to know where to lead them is for you to follow the Lord. And so, man, let me ask you this. Judging by the last six months, six weeks or six days, where are you leading your family? I want you to think about that for a minute. If you, not by your intentions, but by your actions, judging by the last six days, six weeks, six months, if you had to map it out, where would you say you were leading your family? Are you leading them anywhere? You know, for far too long, we've let the women be the spiritual heads of our house. Is that true? And it's funny because we'll complain about in the church of God giving, giving women a bishop's license and we'll complain about women being, you know, uh, speaking in the church and all those things. Uh, and I heard one, one person say, Gene Cooley, his son led worship at Brownsville Revival. His son was Lyndall Cooley. He was a friend of mine, Gene was. And we were talking one day about his wife speaking because she was a great speaker. And I asked her about all the things that she had to go through because whenever she was an older lady, she just passed away, actually. And, uh, and I said, how much flack have you gotten for being a prominent female speaker? And she said a lot. But then Gene spoke up and said this. And he said, you know, what irritates me so much about men is they're so quick to complain about women speakers. But what they don't get is God had to use somebody and they weren't stepping up. And I'm so appreciative for women like Miss Jean Cooley, not Jean, Miss uh, Miss Cooley that, that stepped up. And I'm so appreciative for the women here we have that teach our Sunday schools, our Sunday school classes and our Wednesday classes sometimes. I'm so thankful for women that have led the church. But men, I got to tell you, that's not their calling, that's yours. And if you've been a Christian for 20 years, but your wife is still praying over the mills, and your wife is still talking to the children about Jesus, and your wife is still teaching them how to pray, my question is for you is why are you stepping out of your calling? God's calling you to do that. God's anointed you to do that. God's called you to be the head of your house. The women, they've been our prayer warriors and our, and our church attenders, but God is wanting to use men to step up. God has wanted to use you to change your family. And it's so funny because the truth is, is that if we had strong men of faith in our houses, and I'm not saying you're not a strong man of faith. Maybe you are. But what I'm saying is if, in general, we had strong men of faith in our houses, there'd be a lot less broken families. And so it's an important task and a huge responsibility. But, guys, you can do this.
You can do this. I'm getting ready to close with this. So, Miss Karen, would you come and play for me, please? To lead your family, guys, I know that it's, it's daunting. Because if you're like me, believe it or not, sometimes you don't feel qualified to lead your family. Sometimes you don't even feel qualified to pray. I mean, man, let's just be honest. Sometimes we struggle sharing our emotions. We struggle sharing our feelings. And whenever we start thinking about leading our family for Christ, it's kind of scary because maybe that's not a position that we filled, that we have filled before. But this is what I have to tell you today. You may not feel like it's something that you can do, but you were created to do it. Men, today, if you're sitting here, I encourage you to step into your calling. Start leading your family. Stop letting TV teach your kids. Right now, it's so funny because Bellini's just four years old, about to be five. And I got convicted not long ago because, and this is the preacher talking, so I understand your struggle. Sometimes it's not that we are, are making statements like, well, I don't want to lead my family. It's simply by not doing it. It's not something we ever consciously say, well, I don't want to lead my family. It's just by simply not leading. And I remember a few months ago, and it convicted me so bad. I mean, I'm just going to be honest with you. I got before the Lord and said, God, I, I stink at life. Because I was getting ready to pray with Bellany. And she said to me, and this, is, and this is me being very transparent. So this is how you know that this message comes from what God is speaking into my heart and what I wanted to share with you. And she said to me, can, can I pray with Mama? And I said, why, baby? Because we pray every now and again together, but... She said, well, Mama prays with me every night. And I said earlier, one of the most painful things that I hate doing as a dad is, is punishing them. But the most painful thing I've ever experienced as a dad is realizing I was not doing my job of spiritually leading my daughter. And I got to thinking, and I followed that through. I got up, let Christina come pray with her. Because the other part of that is once a, once a four-year-old toddler decides something, you have two choices. You can fight World War III, or you can just pick your battles and say, okay. And I've learned to pick my battles. But I walked out of that room and I said, okay. Apparently, I'm not doing a good job. And I, I had a choice to make. I could have ignored it. I could have said, oh, it's just, you know, it's just her being a kid and I'm doing fine and everything is fine. You know, men do that. Oh, my marriage is fine. My communication is fine. My family is fine. When in reality, God is asking us, look at it for what it is. And I sat down and I said, God, I'm apparently not doing this the way that I should be. And I started thinking about teenagers that I pastored 
And I started thinking about teenagers that their dads were present, but they weren't active. And these kids were always looking for someone to love them, to give them purpose. Because even though their dads were there, they weren't involved. And as a youth pastor, I've seen the best and the worst of teenagers. And believe it or not, I've never met a bad teenager, but I've, I've met a lot of bad parents. And that sounds harsh, and I, I'm sorry if it does, but most of the time, the problem with the teenager is not the teenager, it's what's been invested in the teenager or the lack thereof. And I said, God, I don't want to be that dad. I don't want to be that dad that I look at my family 10 years from now and my daughter's going crazy and my son doesn't know who he is and it's because I failed to lead them spiritually. And so dads, today, as I get ready to close, I ask you to do what I did. Look at where you are. Are you praying with your kids? Are you leading your family? Are you walking with them and, and, and doing life together? Or are you just existing in the same space? There's a little girl that was in our youth group. She just graduated this year. Uh, she, did, she was in our youth group a long time ago, but we've stayed connected. And uh, she posted something the other day on Facebook, and she said, she was talking about her dad and how absent he had been and how little care he had for her. And I thought, God help us. And you may say today, well, I'm a grandparent and I don't have kids at home. You have grandkids. You're not done. God is still calling you to invest in your family. And so today, guys, this is my question for you as I get ready to close. If you were to measure your leadership, if you were to grade your leadership of your family today, what would it be? Are you doing a good job? Are you praying with them? Are you being a godly example? Yeah, I've kind of set a goal in my life. I want to be like the prodigal's dad, where I'm always believing in the best. I'm willing to accept them when they come. I'm never going to give up hope. And so dads today, if you'll stand with me, if you'll stand with me, not just dads, everyone, I'm sorry. Confused you, my bad. Dads, this morning, I understand the burden of leading your family. And today, you may even be struggling learning how to lead in a way that to lead in a way that you feel honors God. Because honestly, I don't know about you, but not growing up in a Christian home, I didn't know what it, how important it was to have daily conversations and 
how to have daily prayer and how to, how to read my Bible with my kids. Uh, those are things that I'm learning as I go. And so I understand the struggle of being the spiritual head of your house. And because I know the struggle, I also know that there are probably other dads that are here today and you are having that same struggle. And so with every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's you today and you're struggling to lead your family, but you want to do better, I want to pray with you. If that's you, would you just lift your hand? You just say, Pastor Jay, I want to do a better job of leading my family as a father. Not going to embarrass you. In fact, I'm going to pray with you where you are. God sees those hands. Let me pray with you right now. Father, Father, you know the heart of every father that's in here. And Father, we all desire to be good fathers. We all desire to be fathers that lead our families in the right direction. Father, we all desire to be fathers that our kids can trust and that they can come to and they can depend on, not just for things, but for your word and for your guidance, God. Father, I know the struggle of being a dad and learning on the go and figuring it out as, as you lead, Lord God. I know how hard it is to love my wife and to love my kids in a way that honors you every day. And Father, I pray for these fathers that have lifted their hands, that they know that they want to do better. Father, I pray for them that you would give them strength. Father, that you would give them a special anointing to lead their families, Lord. Father, on this Father's Day, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would help them, Lord God. That you would anoint them to lead their families like never before, Lord. Father, we love you. We thank you, God, in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Thank you guys so much for being here today. I hope you have a great Father's Day. God bless.